0: My sabbatical this past winter and spring was just what the doctor ordered, restorative and renewing. I am still drawing from a deep well of reserves. I spent most of my time off the grid on hiking trails in the southwest and Pacific northwest coast in a remarkably reliable way, walking or hiking, alone or with a kindred spirit, taps into the soul's reservoir. The stream of consciousness that flows irrigates seeds patiently waiting their day in the sun. Nature has a way of opening the heart, expanding our vision, making us humble. My attention was drawn to one seed in particular, quivering with possibility. I wondered what would the future hold for this vulnerable sprout cautiously breaking out of its shell? Would it flourish in the world, blossoming with sweetness and hope? Or would it wilt, poisoned by the bitter waters of despair. I returned from the hiking trails holding this image, contemplating the questions. It made me think about the influences in our lives. Leading to more questions. What grounds us in hope or uproots us in despair? In my kishkis, I knew these questions were meant to be asked with Temple Solel's youth in mind. What does Jewish tradition have to say about hope and despair, and what does this have to do with our youth? So let's imagine for a moment personifying hope and despair. I'll start with despair. I did some research on him. I was curious about his upbringing, his parents, his home, the influences in his life. And here's what I learned. Despair was raised in a Jewish home. The single greatest influence in despair's life was a book in the family library entitled Ecclesiastes, the only book in their library, an unusual bedtime story to be sure. Let me briefly retell the story. Um, Beware, uh, the story is very different from the birds' popular 60s peace, love, and anti-war song from Ecclesiastes, To everything, turn, turn, turn. There is a season, turn, turn, turn. And a time for every purpose under heaven. I can't believe you made me sing that as a solo. (laughs) Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is about a man whose name was Kohelet a very wealthy and powerful man, a king in Israel, a king in Jerusalem over all Israel. With everything Kohelet had, he chose to see the world through the lens of resignation and powerlessness. A learned man, even that he experienced as ephemeral, like the wind could not be grasped. Wisdom, he said, always leads to heartache. Kohelet understood God to be all-powerful, leaving no room for actually at the expense of human power. It's likely that most of you are familiar with the Hebrew expression tikkun olam. So how would you translate it? Tikkun olam, really, that's a question. Yeah, I heard it's almost unanimous, repairing, perfecting the world. So interestingly, the word tikkun is only found three times in all of the Hebrew Bible. And where do we find it? You guessed it, Ecclesiastes. Yet before the word was associated with taking action to repair the world, it was used as just the opposite. As Kohelet sees the world, me'uvat lo yuchal litkon, a twisted thing cannot be made straight. ki mi yuchal litaken et asher ivto, who can straighten what God has twisted. In Kohelet's world, human beings have no agency to straighten or repair anything, not the least of which is ourselves. It's all the will of God, just hang on and go for the ride. Understandably, Kohelet, with no belief in himself to shape or impact the world, lacked purpose in his life, just didn't think he could make a difference. Therefore, despite all of his wealth, is it a surprise to hear him say, I loathed life because everything is futile and the pursuit of wind. I came to view with despair all the gains I had made under the sun. With all of his loathing and despair, Kohelet still found his outlets. The fact that he couldn't change the world did not stop him from having fun. He encourages us to do the same. Eat, drink and be merry, wear nice clothes, go to the spa, make love. And there you have it, like Kohelet, Despair squeezes as much enjoyment out of life as possible. Yet his soul is always left empty. And now about hope. I learned that she grew up in a modest Jewish home filled with books. She too learned the book of Ecclesiastes but in a very different way. In their home, they read it in the context of the whole Hebrew Bible and other sacred books. Hope's parents shared with her the debates that took place amongst the rabbis, whether to include the book of Ecclesiastes or not. The rabbis arguing against the book's inclusion insisted that despair would undermine the foundation of Judaism. The book was a threat, and the rabbis arguing for its inclusion insisted that it was more important for the welfare of the community to welcome different viewpoints on the relationship between humanity and God. They understood that, like it or not, despair will always claim its place. Better to peacefully make room for it. Hope's parents, rabbis, and religious school teachers taught her about the first biblical creation story, which Hope took to heart. On the sixth day, God created human beings for a very specific reason, to be caretakers of one another And the earth. It was actually a tradition in Hope's hometown congregation, somewhere in the desert, for the teenagers, including Hope, to read the creation story each Rosh Hashanah. Stay tuned. Contrary to Kohelet, Hope learned that God actually relies on human beings to be God's ambassador on earth hope learned that none of us is perfect she learned that that's the very purpose of the high holy days we do teshuva we repent we forgive we ask for forgiveness our lives contrary to kohelet are not preordained we continue to change and grow instead of banning or censoring ecclesiastes the rabbis deftly subvert Kohelet's worldview of resignation and inaction. They take the word tikkun, refusing to cling to the status quo of unintended biblical injustices. The rabbis bring reform to biblical laws, however, incrementally. They take the word tikkun and totally overturn it, transform it, drain the despair right out of it and fill it with something new. They justified their reforms by inserting the phrase mipne tikkun olam, for the sake of repairing the world. Indeed, human beings could straighten what's twisted. Hope grew up believing she could make a difference in the world, actually felt commanded to do so. Krista Tippett, known by many for her award-winning faith-centric podcast, On Being, is a champion of hope. She reminds us what it is and what it isn't. Hope is a muscle. It's not idealism, it's not optimism, it's not wishful thinking, it's not assuming that things will turn out all right. Hope is insistence, looking at the world straight on as it is and rejecting the idea that it has to be that way. Then, throwing your light and your pragmatism at something very specific. Well, many of us enter this new year carrying an overwhelming number of reasons for which to despair. There are more than enough fractures in our state, country, and world upon which we need to shed light. I won't enumerate the list I'm carrying, but it does weigh heavily on my shoulders. I won't enumerate because I'm putting blinders on or succumbing to Kohelet's resignation Rather, as I was struck on the trail during my sabbatical to throw our light onto the youth of Temple Solel, and let me tell you why. I'm a grateful and hopeful guy by nature. Like my father of blessed memory, that's the way I wake up most mornings. And all the more so, on Shabbat in anticipation of a bar or bat mitzvah, preparing to take their place on the bima as a young Jewish adult. I get out of bed with an extra bounce in my step. I always meet with the family in my office before the service begins to ground us in what this service actually means. I share why I have that extra bounce. It's actually quite emotional for me, each time. There is a lot at stake in the impact our children can have in the world. Though Jews only comprise a mere 0.02% of the world's population, we have something primary the world desperately needs. We are a people of hope who punch above our weight class, refusing to be paralyzed by fear or despair, insisting on bringing healing to a broken world. The time I'm blessed to spend with families is priceless. For most kids, the B'nai Mitzvah experience is truly uplifting. In the course of the Shabbat service, each one just seems to stand a little taller. We can see them grow on the bima, standing a little taller with confidence and pride held, of course, by the love of quelling parents, siblings, family, teachers, and friends. That's all true and wonderful, yet as leaders of Temple Soleil, we would do a disservice to not take a step back with a respectfully critical eye. Without having to look too closely, here are two things that are abundantly clear, and one, leads to the other. When I look out into the sanctuary during Shabbat B'nai Mitzvah services, it's common that there are but a handful, if any, of other Temple Solel families, including the classmates of the B'nai Mitzvah students themselves. And it hits me in the gut every time. It's actually an anomaly to have lots of kids and parents. Of course, this is but one measure of how we are doing at Temple Solel in building community. But it's consequential. As meaningful as the B'nai Mitzvah life cycle is on its own, the highest level of membership attrition comes after the year of the Bar and Bat Mitzvah, unless there are younger siblings in the pipeline. This is by no means unique to Temple Solel or a new phenomenon here. We shouldn't allow ourselves to take solace in that. My guess is that no less than 25% of our families leave after their kids have become bar or bat mitzvah. <laughs> Let me be clear. This is not a judgment on the parents. I'm grateful they care enough about their kids' Jewish identities to join a congregation and choose Temple Sollel. While these families are at Temple Sollel, the responsibility is on us, the clergy, staff, teachers, and lay leadership. We've got a precious window Of five to seven years with families to build community, to make Judaism not supplemental or another extracurricular activity, rather, to make Judaism a primary part of their homes and everyday lives. It's our privilege, our opportunity, our obligation to make Judaism relevant. And joyful. Ultimately, Temple Solel exists to bring hope and healing into the world through the wisdom of Torah, standing on the shoulders of our ancestors from Abraham and Sarah to our grandparents and parents. This is why it matters when we lose families after B'nai Mitzvah. Shedding light is the first step, being pragmatic the second. With that in mind, your Temple Solel board has voted unanimously to move forward with our Youth Education and Family Engagement Initiative. Ray Rader spoke about this a little earlier, but let me amplify. The purpose of this initiative is to transform Raker Religious Schools Youth and Family Engagement to reflect our culture and the most promising practices for education and engagement. There is a flyer on each seat, which will also be made available on our website and newsletters. We'll be be creating focus groups, sending out surveys assessing where we are today and reimagining where we want to be tomorrow, we'll be researching curricular and engagement models in other reform congregations and faith communities. The initiative will in- will conclude with specific recommendations for how to strengthen youth education and family engagement. This endeavor can only be as successful as our congregation envisions it to be. This is about community learning, not a clergy or staff initiative. Community learning engagement and innovation, the wonderful opportunities for those who would like to see our Reka Religious School and family engagement be the best that they can be. The initiative needs leaders for the three action teams and people to gather and interpret what we learn from each other and from other faith institutions. When you get home, please open up the QR code. Everyone knows how to use that after the pandemic. You couldn't order anything at a restaurant. Please open up the QR code and see how you may wish to participate. So there is a lot at stake to help our youth carry the banner of hope, the Jewish people's calling card for thousands of years. As Jews, we don't wait for God or a savior to repair the world's brokenness. Hope is fueled by our ability to act, to make a difference however modest each and every day the great Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai was faced with the challenge of saving the Jewish community during the Roman siege in Jerusalem in the first century of the Common Era. With this context in mind, I share a simple midrash attributed to Yochanan ben Zakkai. He said, if you have a sapling in your hand and are told, look, the Messiah is here. You should first plant the sapling and then go out to greet the Messiah. Well, I am not making any proclamation about the coming of the Messiah, nor is this about saving the Jewish people, I do want to give each of you something to plant in the new year. Planting itself is a manifestation of hope and tikkun. You do it believing that your simple act will bring about a change, bring something new in the world. As you leave, as you leave this afternoon... Please pick up your small, customized, temple solel pot, each with packaged soil and sunflower seeds. There are enough to go around, and if not, come knocking on my door. May each of you, may each of you like the sunflower, bend to the light, always growing, May you be resilient in times of heat and drought, even in conditions of adversity. Continue to bring smiles and joy. Finally, when the skies are cloudy, stand up straight, defying the gravity of despair. The only way to grow is by taking a chance, sticking out your neck, for goodness and mercy, justice and love, truth and peace. That's our purpose in life. That's why we're here. Together, uniting all of our beloved Temple Solel community, let's plant hope in the new year.